to the Make Learning Magical podcast. I am your host, Tisha Richmond. On this show, I chat with educators and thought leaders from around the world to hear stories of how they are transforming teaching and creating unforgettable learning experiences because we all have our own special magic. In this special series, amazing career and technical educators share stories of how they are navigating project-based learning in a pandemic. Welcome to the Make Learning Magical podcast. I am really excited to have an incredible teacher on the show today, Sherry Smith, who is a Pathways to Pre-Education teacher in Southern Oregon. Welcome, Sherry. So happy to have you. Good morning. It's good to be here. Thanks for the invitation. Absolutely. I have had so much fun this past year getting to come into your classroom and and teach some different digital tools and what an incredible program that you have built at South Medford High School in Medford, Oregon. And I would love to just kind of hear what has been your journey into education? How did you get to this point where you are uh, teaching this incredible program? Well, I I actually kind of probably inquired, uh, acquired this by genetics. My parents were both teachers, so I watched them growing up. And um, I went to Southern Oregon University, got my elementary education teaching certification. And then I decided that I was going to leave everybody that I knew here that knew my parents as teachers. Mm-hmm. And I migrated up north and I went and got a teaching job in Beaverton, Oregon to start with. And then uh, was there for three years and then went to Hillsborough and was there for 16. And um, I was in the elementary realm, totally very happy in the elementary realm. Usually fourth, fifth or sixth grade was where I landed. And Mm -hmm. then um, my husband and I got our administrative licenses and, and he was looking for places and we were having starting to have our kids. And so he ended up coming back down here to Southern Oregon, which is where I was born and raised. So here we are back, back in Southern Oregon. And we ended up, uh, I was home with babies and he was working for the Medford school district and uh, Concordia university just out of the blue came to me and said, you know, we're starting this satellite program in Southern Oregon. Would you be interested in teaching a class or two. And I thought, oh, that'd be kind of fun. You teach nights. So I was home with my babies and I could I could get back, my fingers back into the education realm. And um, then they said, how about if you oversee the program down here? We need somebody to, to be overseeing it. We just need, you know, maybe maybe 15 hours a week. Well, it, it rapidly evolved into more than that. And so I ended up overseeing the entire MAT program for Concordia here in Medford, just the Southern Oregon campus. And I did that for 14 years. We we had cohorts of students that came through and they would, uh, I was teaching in the elementary program, working with absolutely amazing educators here. It, it was probably the best years of my life, honestly, because they were the talented and gifted teachers in education who were all teaching for this program. And I learned so much. I was able to um, take, take those kinds of things away. And uh, my principal now, Donnie Frazier, was our primary 
consumer of secondary teachers. And he would call me up and say, Sherry, we need a we need a science teacher. I need an English teacher. I need a math teacher. And there's a bunch of our Concordia graduates at South as a result of that. So um, they decided to shutter the program. Concordia did. And um, I I just did a variety of things. In the meantime, I mentored new teachers. That was part of my uh, new new season. And okay. then I get a call from Donnie Frazier who says, Sherry, what are you doing? We're starting this Pathways to Pre-Education program. Why don't you come and, uh, and apply? I'd like, you to, I'd like to talk to you about what you think this might look like. So there was no curriculum. There was really, I had, um, I was coming on board with a, a re- very talented special ed teacher, but he was, he had plenty to keep him busy being the kind of the lead teacher there. So um, I kind of took it over and I've been flying the plane while I'm building it. It's literally <laughs> been <laughs> building the whole thing, but it's been a wonderful way to take my Concordia experience and then make it developmentally appropriate for high school kids. So it's been fun. Yes. What an incredible story. I did not know all of that about your journey and what a perfect fit for you to have not only that experience, a vast experience in the elementary classroom and in education, but then to have that experience with, you know, at Concordia, with the the program there, what a, a perfect fit for you to now bring that wealth of knowledge and experience to the high school level and what a needed program. I mean, we need to build our our network of, of educators going into this profession and really get kids excited at this level to go into education because absolutely. I mean, we've, I don't know exactly what the statistics are, but I feel like we, we have got to uh, build up our ranks. Otherwise we're going to not have educators to fill these, these positions uh, in education. So that is so wonderful. I would love to hear how this program is, you know, put together. So what classes do you teach and, uh, and, and how many do you offer? So it is a three-year program. And I, I love it because it really it's it's allowing kids to test drive something before they get to college and end up with debt only to discover that this really isn't the path for them. I'd much rather they figure it out now when they're in high school. And that, that's been that's been the beauty of this is I get them out in classrooms. I mean, that's that's mm-hmm. my goal. They they learn lesson design. They learn lesson delivery. And I told them, you know, there are kids that are placed in this class and really had no desire to be a teacher. Mm-hmm. And I told them the things that you're going to learn in here is you're going to learn to write and you're going to learn to write well and you're going to learn to stand and deliver. And I said, any profession that you go into, there are going to be opportunities for you to be up in front of a crowd or up in front of a group and delivering something. And you need to know how to analyze your task and organize your speech so that it is smooth and coherent. And I can honestly tell you, the kids start off terrified mm-hmm. with, with that. And by the end, by the end, it's up. No big deal. Right. <laughs> this is good. 
So we want them, and that's what I want them to do. I want them to gain that comfort and confidence in whatever role they end up with. It doesn't matter to me whether they want to be a teacher or not. Although it's a three-year program, so those kids that feel kind of like this is something that is intriguing to them, they continue for year two. Year two, um, I really get into more of the instructional strategies. Really, um, they've learned how to deliver lessons in year one. They learn about developmental stages in year one. And then in year two, they learn about instructional strategies. And then um, uh, the class I'm doing right now is culture in the classroom. So we're looking at what kinds of different perspectives are represented in our classes. You know, who are the, the children and how can we embrace their these different personas, these little people that are big people in, you know, little people in big jeans who are in our classrooms. So that's, and then uh, year three, we look at classroom management, which Mm -hmm. is huge. I think, I don't think we can get enough classroom management opportunities if you're going to be in a classroom at all. And then I, I, I do a dive into children's literature and reading methods because there are so many, I'm discovering there's a lot of kids at the high school level that have gaps, have holes. Mm -hmm. And even by learning about the reading methods, they can actually kind of help fill in some of those places that maybe they're realizing, hmm, okay, I've got some, I've got some issues. So it's been, um, it, the idea, my goal in all of it is that they have a really, really sound foundation. If they do want to go to into education, that they're walking in already knowing how to design lessons and deliver them well. Um, and then something that we added, you'll love this is the immersion. You were, I think yes. you came to, uh, to participate with that simulation. Yes. That's amazing. We, we partnered with Western Oregon university and they've got this uh, simulation where avatars are actually up on the screen and the kids are teaching to the avatars. So that was absolutely phenomenal. Um, a new new vent- venture for me as far as trying trying this particular thing out. But the kids were great. Although they did say they preferred teaching real kids to teaching yeah. avatars. It was, it was easier. <laughs> right. Oh, my goodness. That was really fascinating how real. Like it, it felt like a real experience where the avatars could <laughs> – and anticipate what the, the student was going to ask or uh, be able to react in a way that the, the students had to be able to figure out how to respond. And some of them were kind of ornery. Some of those avatars they were. were, and they had to try to figure out how to deal with the situation. Yeah. It was really, really cool. Yeah. It was, it I was, it. it was a, it was a new, again, a new adventure, but it was positive. And the kids said, you know, next year we really need this. We really need to have the avatars, for classroom management. You know, when we learn about classroom management, then we need to actually teach these avatars a lesson and see how we navigate it. They so that was their takeaway. They said, "Okay, bring it. We'll we'll do it next year too." So Yeah. Oh my goodness. That was really really uh fun. So amazing the technologies we have right now at our fingertips to be able to create these really incredible learning experiences for students. And earlier this year, I was able to be a part of a collaboration that you did with 
the elementary schools and the and the library, uh, Jen McKenzie and Gigi were a part of this um, this day where the elementary kids came to the high school and the students uh, facilitated these little breakout sessions. I would love for you to share a little bit about that experience because that was really really phenomenal uh, what you had organized. You know, we've done that several times. One of my goals is to get my pre-surface teachers in front of littles and give them the chance to practice. That's where the magic happens, quite mm-hmm. frankly. If, if you're looking for magic in it, that is it. It's the connection between <laughs> the high school kids and the little ones, because the little ones look at them as, you know, they are the best things in sliced bread. And, you know, they're heroes and godlike in terms of the little ones. And many of those kids have never felt like that. They've never been placed in that kind of a mm-hmm. leadership role. So that's that's been huge. So what Jen and I have done, we've done this actually several times, is she will bring in, um, a, we've had kindergartners, first graders come to South, uh, and the big kids have prepared lessons. They design lessons that they're going to deliver to these, these little ones. We were, right before the pandemic hit, my year two threes had prepared, of all things, a ballet presentation. They were, I was teaching them an instructional strategy and they were going to teach the kids, these fifth graders about ballet. And we were not able to deliver it. We were right. I mean, we were right two days away from it. And, and that, that kind of shut down. But typically the idea is at each of the stations, they have prepared, um, I guess the last one that we, that you probably saw was a social emotional lesson. They were looking at a way mm-hmm. to to um, give them some kind of tactile, some kind of visual, some kind of auditory instruction, and then complete a task. And the the little ones like to take it back. So there's all there were all kinds of things. One one group made um, they poured rice into balloons so that they had a stress ball. You know that was the outcome. Um, another another group was doing a kind of poetry where they the kids traced their hands and then they wrote some kind of a little poem on the hands and then they had a tree that they could take back and put up on a bulletin board at school. Mm-hmm. So those kinds of things. Um, we often we have a theme. We've had multicultural where they they choose a a different culture and they. Um, find a literature book and they would read the kids a story and then they would do some kind of an art project with them because the little ones in particular just love that art and they love to be able to take something home with them. So something tangible like stress ball, man, you can use a stress ball (laughs) wherever. Yes. I fill it with that. I'd kind of like to make some right now. I could use some, I could use some of those right now. So true. No, that is such an amazing um, experience that you have created for for students, both high school and elementary, and what wonderful memories that you're creating too. Those those little ones are never going to forget that experience, and and neither will your your high school students. So I think that's fantastic. So we uh, are in a little different world in education right now. I think we are in what week five or week six of this uh, pandemic remote learning. And I'm wondering how you have adapted to this online world. How have you taken the, the content that you, you teach in your classes and brought it into this remote space where you're delivering from home and having and connecting and engaging with your students from home? What does that look like? 
So our whole school, our, the district actually all went to the grids, obviously. We've got six different opportunities. And what I chose to do, and I was going to do it anyway, face-to-face, um, but this one has more individual accountability, is I did a project-based learning assignment. And um, that assignment is actually, it was, it was tied around the adolescent development component, which has a high level of interest for the kids because it's them. You know, we're looking at their right. brain, we're looking at their development. And so all of a sudden they're thinking, huh, okay, this is sort of interesting. So what I chose to do was I had them, um, they are creating, they're in the process of creating a survival guide for parents on how to survive adolescent development. And they have, and I asked them to do so in some way that's going to incorporate a tech tool. So I was looking at, and you were wonderful in helping me with this, with um, having them create their project in either Canva or Adobe Spark or some more. They could do a newsletter kind of format. They could do a brochure. Um, We had infographics that you brought up that, I mean, the kids have just totally jumped on that. So the, the, the pieces that I'm seeing coming in are phenomenal. I'm so excited because they're integrating the technology, but they're demonstrating they've conceptualized the content, which is what I was all about. So the thing that I noticed and thing I, I guess I, I kind of operate this way anyway, is that we as educators, it's best if we can move away from being the sage on the stage to being the guide on the side. And I yes. I created everything. All of the things in my grid have that intention that they will be able to pretty much self-direct and self-select and so there's that creative element. There's the choice element. It really is differentiated to each student. Um, and and it, it really encapsulates that whole idea behind PBL anyway, is that we want them to, to be able to take a overarching question and then uh, define it based on their own needs. So they started off their very first project or their first assignment was to interview their parents. And I had given them a list of questions. And um, some of the questions are things, what do you remember about being a teenager? And what are some things Mm. that you would like me to avoid that you remember doing that you would rather I didn't repeat? You know, just having those kinds of of conversations were kind of the, the baseline. And then I had the kids answer, I wonder questions. I wonder what? And then they could fill in the blank. So that that was the kind of the launching pad for this particular PBL. And then over the last several weeks, they've been choosing different components of that to add to their to their final project, turning those into me just so I could I can kind of monitor and see that they're moving in the right direction. And then they're going to turn them in. Actually, their parents, they're going to present it to their parents. And I'm going to give their parents an evaluate a little evaluation form. Not it's just kind of um, things that I caught you doing well, things that I really appreciate, things I still have questions about, you know, that kind of thing. So that again, it's, there's an affirmation built into it, and the kids get to share it with the person that they designed it for. So 
that's that's the way I've chosen to do it in this particular season. If I were in class, we would probably be in cooperative learning groups and they'd be um, jigsawing the different pieces and putting them together. But this for this season where they are completely by themselves, it seemed like a really, really good way to do it. And I, I can't wait. I'm going to I'm going to have to share with you some of their projects, because as I'm seeing them, I'm just stunned. They look amazing. And I'm thinking, wow. I mean, wow. just have to do this face to face too, because this was, um, this has been a really, really excellent project. So, oh, that is amazing! I love how this time has given us um, kind of this freedom to just to to branch out and maybe try some things in different ways than we've tried before. And you touched on some really, really important points that choice, giving students the opportunity to demonstrate their learning in a way that makes sense to them and giving them some different tools like the Adobe Spark and the Canva and the Schmore to do that and to really be able to tap into that creativity. Because like you're finding when we give our students the opportunity to create, they blow our minds. It's so incredible what they can come up with when we just give them the tools to do that. And I had so much fun joining your Zoom class. I was able to actually see a former student that I had in my culinary class in that Zoom meeting, which was super fun for me. But I love that you are kind of blending that synchronous experience where you can answer their questions and and maybe teach these new tools and then also providing lots of asynchronous opportunities for them to connect and, and to create. And then something else that you mentioned that I think is so important is having that authentic audience. You know, they're going to involve their parents and have that authentic uh, audience to be able to share. And I think that we have so many ways that we can do that. And it doesn't always have to be in the face-to-face format. You know, I think we're all discovering that Zoom has become this this way for us to connect that we may not have really had that on our radar before, but now it just makes sense, right, to be able to do that. And I think the value of that and, and other modes of connecting virtually is that it opens up our world to all of these different people that we would not necessarily have before to connect with. And so I I think that that's really awesome. I love what you're doing. I love how you have adapted to this online world. And it seems like you are, you're just doing an incredible job. And I am so excited to see what your students have created too. So you'll definitely have to share that with me. I can't wait. Absolutely. Well, and you, you know, you just mentioned the opportunity to connect with people Um, one of the components of truly a PBL is to access experts. And so I was able Mm -hmm. via Zoom to access an author. Um, His Dr. Jesse Payne is, has written a book on, you know, how to change, change your brain, change your life before 25. And I had reached out to him. He's actually a professor up at Corbin university. And I said, by any chance, could you be my expert? And he said, Absolutely. So we Zoomed with him and I invited both classes to come and just sit in and and listen. They had presented to him with some questions they wanted answered. He was able to answer those and then they they kind of bounced questions off of him. It was a very, very rich experience. And I wouldn't have even thought of it probably 
you know, if we were back in brick and mortar and we were doing our you know normal thing, I might not have even I wouldn't have thought of Zoom because I didn't really know how to use right. Zoom. I feel a little bit better about using Zoom now. And and this has just provided rich, rich opportunities for the kids to talk to someone who's a different voice than mine. And I think that that's phenomenal. Right. Yes, it is. And I think how cool when we go back to our br- brick and mortar classrooms, like that is just going to seem now to you like, well, of course, I'll reach out to this expert here and this expert there and bring them into this Zoom conversation. And it's just going to seem like uh, a normal thing to do. And I think that that's one of the positives that have come out of this is we truly have been able to embrace some new ways of, of doing things and connecting with people, you know, outside of our own environments. And speaking of the positives, I always like to look at the magical moments and everything and, and try to find those, those things that, you know, are magical. And so I would love to hear from you, what is a magical moment in all of this, as we have transitioned to remote learning during this pandemic that has really stood out to you? You know, honestly, it's the products that the things that the kiddos Mm. are creating is what's way more magical to me. Because you throw, as a teacher, we have these ideas of where we want it to go and we kind of throw it out in the general vicinity and hope that it sticks. And these kids are doing way above and beyond what I expected. And so for me, that's the magic. Yeah. It's, not, uh, it's not me. It's what they're doing with, with the content, what they're doing with the technology. And they're experimenting with something that many of them have said they didn't know, the, a platform they didn't know of before. So they're gaining okay. tools for their continued learning as well. And that, that, I don't know, that for me is the magic quite frankly, it's just yes. what, what they are doing and creating. And I don't know, I get kind of geeky about that sort of thing, but that's really fun. It is fun. It's super exciting. And what's fun is that when they're, they're creating in these different digital tools and be being able to, um, to take what they have learned and be able to translate it in these these digital creations, um, they are gaining such a, a great skill set to be able to synthesize that information to begin with, but then also to think about how they could use these tools in other ways to demonstrate their learning um, is really, really powerful. And I love that sense of, of agency and empowerment that they have when they know that they've been able to take this information they've learned, synthesize it and create this really amazing thing that they can share, you know, with, with the world. That is, that's really, really exciting. So for those people listening uh, that are trying to just figure this all out in this remote learning world, what is one piece of advice maybe you'd give in particular for project-based classes uh, as people are trying to navigate uh, project-based learning in a remote world? Uh, The best hint or the best advice probably as far as PBL is concerned is to start with a really clear objective, you know, answering this, what do I want them to know? What do I want the learners to know or be able to do by the end of this? And how do I measure it? 
You know, is it something that's going to be measurable that indeed they were able to accomplish it? Because I know with any of the PBL projects that I've done, and I've done several now, um, I, if I start with that clear objective, then the rest of the pieces begin to fall in place. If I don't, if I'm just kind of starting to, by gathering ideas or things or, or resources or whatever, it, it all falls apart. But starting there with a very, very clear objective. And then um, I, I'm just going to do a little pitch if I can. I took a um, Absolutely. PBL 101 course from the uh, Buck Institute a year ago. And they're offering it now. I just saw something that says they're offering it now online virtually. And so people who are interested in that, maybe you, you need some kind of um, PDs, PDUs for your licensure or whatever, mm-hmm. but you're looking for a really solid, um, really valuable course. That was, that was great. It was several weeks, if I recall. I don't know how it works now online, but that, that, they, they actually get, they give you tools, they give you templates, they give you outlines, and then the support, the ongoing support is terrific. They're continually giving you resources so you can look and see what other people have done, how other people have created their project-based learning project. The kids honestly love it. I did one earlier in the year uh, with my year two threes because I was teaching them about PBL. And I thought the best way to teach PBL is to have them do one. And we started off with what in educate what what do we how do we need to fix education in America was the overriding question. And then they began to do research looking at other countries and comparing and contrasting. But the launch was our superintendent came in to share his perspective. And we initially, our very initial activity was him saying to them, I want to know what your outcomes are. I want you to present to me when you're all done with your research. And so they dove into this project very focused on what they were going to find for him. Because he said, I don't want to know about America, though. I want to know about Medford School District. What do we need to be doing in Medford Mm. School District? And he, he was there. He was there for their presentations. And they had a limited amount of time. They knew they had to truly synthesize it all down, but they worked so hard to create a presentation wow. for him and give him that the answers that they felt by looking at other countries, other countries in their education and what was working and what wasn't working in Medford. So that was rich. It was deep. And, and wow. it was um, powerful. They felt empowered. That was the thing they felt. They said yes. he really cares about... Uh, our education, and he really cares about what our our impressions are and what we understand. So there's a variety of ways to do this. And there are um, so many resources out there, uh, other institutions and so forth that are doing PBL. In fact, they're doing PBL all the time. And I think, wow, mm-hmm. it is, It's get, but it's, it's taking yourself out of being the sage and allowing mm-hmm. yourself to be the facilitator instead. And I think that that's, that active engagement is huge. And the kids, the kids love that. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. I, I so agree with you. I think that that is really, really important. And I think something that um, 
that we should be considering in education is how can we create more opportunities for our students to take the lead in their learning. And oh my goodness, what a powerful experience to have our superintendent not only kind of launch and kick them off, but then to be there to hear their presentations at the end. Like that's like the perfect sandwich, right? He is empowering them to be able to share. He is empowering them to do this research, but then to say, I want to know, like, I want to hear what you come up with. What a wonderful thing. I would love to have heard what they came up with, because I think that that's, that's the really interesting thing, too, is that when we give our students voice and give them the opportunity to share they am- they're amazing. Their perspectives and their ideas are so incredible. And I think that we often don't give our students enough opportunity to be a voice and to, to guide some of the, the decisions that we're making in education. And so to have our superintendent tell them, I want to know. I want to know what uh, you care about. I want to know how you think we should be moving forward in education. That's that's incredible. Thank you so much for sharing that story. Yeah, it's amazing. So as we uh, as we end this conversation, oh my goodness, I am so inspired by all that you have had to share. What you're doing in the Medford School District is absolutely phenomenal. Uh, I'd love for you to maybe share share one thing that you think that you're going to carry on with you as we we end this school year, as we at some point we'll move out of this pandemic to life as normal again. What is something that that you're going to take with you? Oh, I think hope, you know, that we need to be instilling hope more than anything in every every kiddo and as i approach these different assignments you know weekly assignments and grids and so forth um they are they are anticipating what i'm doing that's the feedback that i'm getting from them is they're looking forward to what what's going to be there this week you know what new information and i'm giving them things but i'm also giving them a whole lot of options for driving and again empowering them and I think that that's really what I want to continue. Uh, absolutely. I, it's it's something that I, I like to do anyway. But on, I, I probably at the beginning wouldn't have said this, but I really like the grids because of the choice. Mm. It gives them six different choices. It's truly differentiating instruction. It's letting them watch mm-hmm. things, listen to things, um, write things, and and giving them some opportunities to convey their learning in a way that is meaningful to them. And so I want to continue that. I want to keep keep after that. I, I wouldn't. I didn't have time. I mean, I would have told you before. I don't have time to write six different options. I was doing good with one, but the fact that there are six, I'm thinking. You know what? I. I can embellish this. I can continue to get this opportunity to kids. So I think that's that's the the hope and the um, opportunity to to pursue their passion in whatever way that that manifests itself are things that I think is important to take away. Oh my goodness, that's amazing! And I love to hear that. I love to hear that uh, the learning grids are 
are working. And I think you're so right. I think we've we've touched on the the voice and choice uh, a number of times in this conversation, and I, I couldn't agree with you more. And I think also I we've both talked about that word empowerment. And I think in the end, that's what what we really want is our kids to become empowered learners. And oh my goodness, what you're doing is is absolutely incredible. I am so excited for the future of education. And I know that our our students who are going through your program right now are going to be absolutely fantastic educators. So thank you so much for being on the show today, Sherry. I would love um, for you to share with the listeners, how, how can they find you or connect with you if they have any questions about what you've shared today? Well, probably the best way is going to be through my Medford School District um, address. That's Sherry, S-H-E-R-I is how I spell it, dot smith at medford.k12.or.us. That's the best way to reach me. And I would love to talk to anybody that has any other ideas, questions, thoughts about project-based learning or pathways to pre-education, because I understand there's not a lot of these kind of programs. So if there's anybody that wants to talk to me about how I kind of launched it or looked through it or whatever, I would be happy to have that kind of conversation. Awesome. Thanks so much, Sherry. I so appreciate you being on the show. It's been amazing. Wonderful. Thank you, Tisha. It's been lovely. Awesome. Have a magical day, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Make Learning Magical podcast. I hope you were inspired by this episode and encouraged to find new ways to bring magic into teaching and learning. You can connect with me on Twitter at Tish Rich, Instagram at Tish Richmond, or on my website at tisharichmond.com. Please use the hashtag MLMagical to share thoughts about this episode. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and tune in next week for another magical episode.